Few people in our nation's history have been more challenged or found a time more challenging or difficult than the time we're in now. Once in a century virus that silently stalks the country has taken as many lives in one year as America lost in all of World War II. Millions of jobs have been lost. Hundreds of thousands of businesses closed. A cry for racial justice some 400 years in the making moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. A cry for survival comes from planet itself. A cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. And now, a rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. Welcome back to Left Acre. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. Welcoming back to the program um, Harvey Kay, who is a professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. And so we're here to talk about uh, our new president, Pre- President Joseph Robinette Biden, who, uh, you know, already the greatest president in history. You know, we've all decided. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but you know what? There's a guy who does the video production for all of the Jacobin stuff. Yeah. So I've done a few things with him. We've become pretty. He's young. He's 24. He's like he's a kid, you know, and, and we, we, we exchange. Yeah, we exchange notes. The kid's brilliant. He's like the PhD student I never had. And so the other day, he actually said to me, it, it is possible. This Remember, this is a Jacobin guy saying, it is possible that Biden will be the greatest president so far in his lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> no, and well, and so this, I think, is that's a good frame for the episode. Um, you know, Biden's been president for two days, uh, less than two days, actually. Um, and and yet, you know, it's already possible to speculate. And I think a sort of semi informed, semi ridiculous fashion about, you know, what what we're looking at. And, um, you know, a good place to start with this, I think, is with his inaugural address uh, which, you know, he gave it, Biden is not great at, at giving prepared speeches. Um, you know, he is, he is very old. Um, he, he, and he tends to stumble over his words a bit. However, you know, in reading the speech again, uh, I noticed something which I think has gone under, under discussed in the sort of coverage of it. Uh, people kind of slotted it into their pre-existing frameworks. Um, and so, you know, insofar as Biden, you know, is going to, you know, talk about basically dealing with a insurgency, you know, more or less like a, a an organized movement to overturn the government, you know, replace it with a sort of like dictator for life, Donald Trump. Um, because he talked a lot like the theme of the, of the speech is unity. Like we need to become, we need to unify ourselves. We need to unify the nation. You know, we need to come together. Um, but he counterposed the thing, like the, 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 you know, the thing we need to unify to like deal with is basically the Republican party. 
Uh, and he says, uh, you know, I ask every American to join me in this cause, uniting to fight the common foes we face, anger, resentment, hatred, extremism, lawlessness, violence, disease, joblessness, hopelessness. And so you're basically just talking about the previous administration there. And I think Biden's, you know, Biden or his speechwriters is is playing a, a kind of a subtle game there. He's He's speaking to, you know, to people who are sort of half listening and we're talking, okay, we got a normal politician again. That's all good. Um, but if you're actually listening to it, what he seems to be saying, and, you know, it definitely remains to be seen whether he's going to follow through on this or not, uh, is that, you know, we need to, we need to unify in the sense of like return political disagreement to uh, uh, the the like traditional parameters of democracy where like if we don't agree, you know, OK, fine, we'll 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 hash it out in the next election. Whoever wins, that's how we decide. That's how we adjudicate our political disagreement. We don't resort to force or lies, you know, and and just trying to like beat the other guy uh, into submission, um, you know, through violence. And, you know, so, uh, what he's asking for is like, a like a, un, everyone who believes in like democracy to unite around like a return to norms. Maybe you don't agree with Biden, but, uh, you know, you, that doesn't mean we have to like fight it out in the Capitol building, you know, with, with bear spray and fucking, you know, uh, uh guns and stuff. And so it, it again, you know, th- this is all very advanced sort of speculation, but it seems to me that like the, the speech is considerably more sophisticated than people have been portraying it. You know, like I've seen a lot of discussion online, like, oh, Biden just wants to unify with Republicans. And if he does indeed try to do that, just basically do the Obama routine of 2009 to 2010 of just like reaching out for you know, across the aisle and to get tased over and over again as sort of like, you know, try to validate your own messianic complex as the person who's going to, you know, uh, like dissolve the partisan, you know, uh, uh, disagreements and more of that just like, okay, you want to do bipartisan deals with me? Go ahead. Doors always open. Otherwise, we're going to steamroll you wherever we can. And we're going to, you know, try to fix the country and a way that I certainly wouldn't like pick, but possibly signaling towards a much more aggressive uh, democratic administration than the previous one, especially in the first, the first term, you know, it's like if the sort of thinking of way Obama's presidency had developed over eight years and carrying that on the last couple of years where he was getting much more aggressive with executive orders and so on, and not so much with the bipartisanship and austerity bullshit. So I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Um, maybe start with you, Harvey. If you listen to the, if you listen to the speech, I did listen very closely. <laughs> we had a feeling, I don't know. We rolled the dice. We thought you might be <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually sat there taking notes on the speech. And and my biggest problem was that well not my problem. Let me let me back off. For a start, I actually thought his the strength of his I was really impressed by the strength of his opening. In fact, physically I w- I was impressed by I was impressed by his physicality in one sense, given given his age. Um 
and I and I'll tell you what I mean by that. He actually sounded to me like a, a couple of radio plays written by Norman Corwin, who was the great radio play radio producer and writer, a very progressive guy back in the late 30s, all actually all the way through the 40s. I I mean, remarkable stuff. Probably probably the best known person in radio and nationally. No actor ever turned down an opportunity. Anyhow, it, he always started things with a very energetic opening, um, especially when, during the war years. And and when Biden started, I really thought this was going to be a, a dynamic speech, which I'm not even sure we needed a dynamic speech. And so now let me come back to, to your remarks. I think you're right about the fact that that people probably didn't hear what they needed to hear. It was not a reaching across. I agree with you. The problem was the speechwriter spent too many too many characters on the word unity, unity, unity. Okay? And it would have been nice as a signal to labor people, perhaps, if he had thrown in a solidarity. That that might have been nice, okay? And I want to come back to that. But the, the, more, the more important point I want to start off with is the signal, because inaugural addresses signal things and the yeah. signal and the signal which confirms or affirms what you were saying is that i was looking for it again did he not use the term white supremacy he, he did he did use it he yeah. did and he did i believe also use the term systemic racism at some point yes i think he used each of those terms once yeah so what i'm getting at is if you say white supremacy even the moderate republican is going to get a little surprised by it. There's just no question about it. Maybe slightly turned on by it, depending on the person. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So I don't think, I think in some ways he was signaling, a, I mean, a set, a commitment. Okay. And then his references, he, he referred to Martin Luther King at the Lincoln Memorial. He referred to the women who were marching for, for, for you know, for the, for the suffrage movement. The problem is he did the very same thing. And by the way, I actually think it was a better inaugural address than Barack Obama delivered in 2009. But what, because it actually did acknowledge that the American story involves struggle in that yeah. respect. The problem, yeah. But the problem was that he made the same mistake that Obama made in his second term when Obama said, I believe it was Seneca Falls – Selma and Stonewall and completely, completely left out any any citation, any reference, which was characteristic of Obama over and over and over again to labor and the working class in all its diversity. And by the way, in case you're wondering about the alliteration that would have worked since he was playing with alliteration, how about <laughs> Seneca Falls Flint? Selma and Stonewall. I mean, it would have, I thought even wrong, it would have had a more poetic sound to it, in fact. So, so my biggest, my big takeaway was, first of all, that. A second takeaway is this. I actually I was a little suspicious of that build back better thing that he was. <laughs> it, it is an extremely dumb motto. Yes. It's, be, it's better. I will say it's better than love Trump's hate. <laughs> <laughs> or stronger together. Or, just, uh, just say, just put an "i" in the front of that one, and it says the opposite. Of what. <laughs> <Right>. so, so, <laughs> very good. But here's what I'm getting. Here's what I mean. What did I mean? Because I just you're 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 too funny right now. <laughs> Build back better. You were talking so, about. So, but I thought he could have played on his own words because he really 
he's talking about the imperative of transcending the divide. He didn't put it that way, but unity implies that. And that would have been the moment to turn Build Back Better into a vision of a new New Deal. Mm. Okay? Mm. Because, and and I, I don't want to dwell on this because we could spend the whole hour. I can tell you that I think what Biden needs to do in his first hundred days or what a thousand days for that matter, okay, is I think he needs to have one priority. And that priority should be a massive public works, post-pandemic, by the way, massive public works initi- set of initiatives. A post-pandemic public project? P, 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 P. Because Americans adore alliteration. It's true. I, I confess, I love alliteration. <laughs> who doesn't? I don't trust anyone who doesn't adore alliteration. <laughs> That's the end of the preview, folks. If you want to hear the whole episode, you can go to patreon.com slash left anchor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>